This is Morgan Hazelwood, back again with more writing tips and writerly musings. Today, I'm here to share with you notes from Done to Death, The Art of Killing Characters. Now, when you're reading a story and a character dies, you can usually tell if the writer is just trying to manipulate your emotions or if it's good storytelling. I mean, a good storyteller is definitely trying to manipulate you, but they're doing it well. In the titular panel at Worldcon 77, Patrick Rothfuss, Veronica Roth, Sue J. Sukel, Amy Ogden, and Daryl Gregory did their best to make sure that we knew how to make every death count. So before we got started, the panelists shared their credentials. So how many characters had they killed? Sue killed three in one novel. Veronica, in her Divergent series, asked, does it count if it's a catastrophic event? Um, Amy has killed all of humanity, twice. Patrick has killed five characters. And Daryl says his only die offstage. So, next up, how to use death and what deaths are overdone? Well, fridging characters. There are tropes that keep coming up, and one of the most trite in fiction is using the horrible death of a typically two-dimensional female character to motivate the usually male main character. From TV tropes, quote, the name of the trope comes from the storyline in Green Lantern in which the villain Major Force leaves the corpse of Kyle Rayner's girlfriend Alexandra DeWitt literally stuffed into a refrigerator for him to find. Now, we're not saying that horrific deaths are bad. In fiction, please don't go out killing people. We're just saying they need to matter beyond character motivation. In that vein, let's talk about other overdone tropes in death. Parents. Many stories start off with the parents being killed or the mentor. Even in books for people who are not old enough to go to school yet. And this is traumatic for small children. We want to teach empathy. We want children to understand death. This is a bad way to do it. Daryl's daughter, he told us, would always go ask him for a snack during The Lion King. And then just as the stampede had finished and Simba was running off, she'd be done with her snack and back in front of the TV. Every time. Patrick's sons loved the three little pigs and the wolf destroying the houses because he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. But they asked him if he could tell the story without the wolf gobbling up all the pigs. And as Amy said, as a mom, I'm tired of seeing myself die. As a queer person, I am tired of seeing myself die. Which leads us to the next group of characters that are often killed, queer characters and characters of color. Either as bad guys or as expendable characters, queer characters or characters of color are often the first to die. 
we're over it. Children. Killing children just to demonstrate that the villain is a bad guy. Kind of overdone. Patrick declared, if that's all you can do to prove that the bad guy is a bad guy, you are a bad writer. I stand by this. I'm quoting Patrick here. Although I agree 100%, which is why I'm sharing it with you. Other thoughts about bad debts. Veronica, in retrospect, admits that there is a bullshit death in her second book. She could have handled that differently. There are plenty of horrible ways to live. And of course, the list can go on and on. Do we want to share with readers the gritty truth or a better world where deaths matter? I, I like deaths that matter, unlike reality. So how do you make a death not bullshit? Step one, give fullness to the dead character's story arc. Like their emotional arc, bring closure to it. Secondly, try to kill only well-rounded main or secondary characters. I mean, clearly there's troop action going on over there, but of named characters, pay attention to who and when you make a victim for a murder mystery, there's a lot of things to think about. Thirdly, listen to the character. They should tell you if their death is bullshit. Fourth, feel free to have foreshadowing, but it's best done when it's only obvious in retrospect. Five, to avoid bullshit deaths, context matters. Who killed whom? Sixth, if you do kill characters, parents, children, lovers, whatever, make it matter. Make the reader cry and miss them forever. Crazy eyes there. And seven, show life after trauma. That's the important thing. That's what you want your readers to see is that after trauma, there is life and it hurts, but we can get there. Which led our panelists into discussing the power of writing. The panel starts to meander a little, but we followed along for the ride. Patrick shared a story. After The Frog Princess came out, 70 kids were hospitalized for salmonella because they were licking frogs. Now, Patrick worries a lot about the consequences of what he writes. So he said that, and then Veronica goes, then how do you write? And Patrick replied, I'm the wrong person to ask. So thank you, Patrick Rothfuss, for that one. Where you are emotionally affects your writing, which is, is what Patrick was trying to say. For almost all of us, what we're worried about and what we're struggling with tries to come through in our writing. So what do you do when this happens? There are two main approaches. The first is you can try to leave it by the door. You could do personal essays, blogs, etc., on what is bothering you and try to be cathartic and get it out of the way and put it over there so then you can focus on what you intend your story to be about. And the second way to do it is just 
use your writing to work through it. So many writers end up doing this, even if they don't realize that's what they're doing. Our panelists shared their own experiences. Veronica's first series was literally exposure therapy, and later she went on to be prescribed exposure therapy. Patrick was thanked for his handling of PTSD. Now, 10 years later, he realized where it came from and he's in therapy. Amy notes that as a mom, she is leaving a worse world for her daughter. Everything she writes is about climate change. Note, I've said this before and the panelists agreed, mission-oriented novels come across like after-school specials. It's okay to work through things, but forcing the theme doesn't come across as genuine and you want the reader to connect and they're not going to do that if you're preaching at them. So at this point in the panel, we moved on to audience questions. How do you handle villainous deaths? <laughs> um, everything should be complex. The desire to simplify makes it less real, like makes it less valid. And just remember that death is just a change, although it is the final one. That was a quote. I didn't get the source. If you know who said that, put it in the comments below. Disney has taken the violence out of villain deaths. It took the blame out. The hero still wins, the bad guy still dies, but the hero isn't the hand by which the villain dies. They fall off a cliff or whatever. And that might be wrong. There should be consequences. Discuss. Next audience question. Which death would the panelists undo? We were running out of time at this point. Only two panelists answered. Veronica said Lynn. And Amy's answer? Humanity deserved it. So what stories have you read in which death was handled wrong? And which ones have done it well? Which deaths will you remember to your dying day because they touched you here? If you write, how many characters have you killed? And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share it with all your friends. It goes a long way towards helping people find me. And I'll be back again next Monday with more writing tips and writerly musings. Bye-bye.